Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Tom Ackerman with you. Before we talk a little baseball, let me tell you a little bit more about what's happening in golf in that area. Palm Beach Gardens, Tommy Fleetwood birdied four of his final six holes at 367. He's atop the leaderboard heading into the final round of the Honda Classic on the PGA Tour. Fleetwood moved to five under for the week. One shot ahead of Brendan Steele at PGA National. That is right there in the same area where the Cardinals play baseball. And that's pretty exciting. Exciting, actually, for everybody down there. Tommy Fleetwood's one of the best, but he hasn't captured a PGA title. I might be rooting for him a little bit. PGA Tour champions coming to St. Louis. That'll be happening in September at Norwood Hills. So we keep an eye on what's happening in that area. And Brett Quigley fired a 568 to open a three-shot lead through two rounds of the Colgard Classic. Quigley bidding to win for the second time in his first four PGA Tour champions starts. Fred Couples was second after a 66. Fred Couples is 60 years old. He's a Hall of Famer. He won the last of his 13 senior titles back in 2017, so it's nice to see him once again in the hunt. It's time to talk a little baseball, and this spring training report is sponsored by Together Credit Union. Share your dreams. We'll share the journey. And by Norm's Bargain Barn, the place for discount doors, windows, and cabinetry. Stand into the hole between the first and second baseman, and Carlson comes around third. Here's the throw. Carlson is safe. Nolan Gorman drives in Dylan Carlson for the second straight inning, this time with an RBI single to right 
and the Cardinals lead Miami 7-4. That's the voice of Chris Raby who had that call on February 26th of a Cardinal game against the Marlins. Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson, we're seeing some good prospects get the job done. And Chris joins us now on his way to Fit Team Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. That's in West Palm Beach, Florida, the home of the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros who host the Cardinals today. How are you, Chris? I'm good, man. I just keep thinking about, can you imagine how awkward it would be at the ballpark at the Palm Beaches if the Astros had beaten the Nationals last year in the World Series and then all of the sign-stealing stuff came out? Because not only would the reporters be there en masse, but they would be roommates, the two teams. So, you know, um, we're uh, headed down to watch the Cardinals uh, and Astros today, and we'll see if anybody gets punked. While you were doing that game that I just played, the game against the Marlins, at the same time that day, I was driving home from Chicago, and I was listening back and forth between your broadcast and also the broadcast of the Astros and the Cardinals, who were playing a split-squad game, and the Astros broadcaster did a great job. I didn't hear any mention of sign-stealing or any mention of, of any of that. Uh-huh. I didn't hear any booing either. Uh, as I was listening to the game, but I'm certain that you're going to get some of that. And there was a hit by pitch as uh, Santos hit Bregman yeah. in that game, Chris. Yeah, and, you know, that'll happen. I do think that, you know, as you look at the guys who have been hit this spring, I forget the exact number, but a number of them have been on breaking balls. And listen, like you get to the points of spring and the points of spring games and guys are throwing breaking balls, young guys trying to make the team, you know, hit by pitches happen. Like it's not indicative necessarily of a message trying to be sent by a team. But um, I do think as certain guys on the Cardinals, including Miles Michaels and Jack Flaherty have said, like that's something that the Astros are going to have to deal with. I think that's a little interesting. Dusty Baker has kind of thrown out a lot of minor leaguers for the first week or so of, of spring and those guys have had to deal with the booze more than anything. Like I'm not talking about getting hit, but I'm talking about those guys are the ones getting booed. The guys wearing number 70 and 80 and 90. Like those are the guys that have had to deal with the lion's share of the booze. And they're not the ones making the money. They're not the ones who broke the rules. They're not the ones who are even going to be in a clubhouse in Houston or anywhere in the other 29 major league cities this year. So why are they having to deal with this right now? Well, I guess Dusty's protecting his players, but we'll see what happens today. We are officially in the second week of the Grapefruit League schedule, and uh, we'll see if anything changes. Yesterday, the Cardinals won 6-3 to three over the Nationals. Carlos Martinez, three scoreless innings out of the gate. He did walk a bunch, but he also struck out a bunch, and that's a good start for him, at least to get himself a couple of zeros under his belt. Yesterday, taking a look at that game, Carlos again goes three innings. He worked with Matt Weeters as the catcher, and he walked three and struck out four. Chris, what do you think of Carlos so far? Yeah, I thought he was really good. You know, two of those walks came in the first inning with two outs, and, uh, you know, the strike zone can be a bit erratic at this point of the spring, and Carlos was between 91 and 94 in his fastball on the radar gun, and after the game kind of told us with a sly smile, well, I can pump it up harder if I have to. So I thought he was really good, Tom, and, you know, Honestly, for a guy like Carlos, I don't mind seeing a couple of walks early. I don't mind seeing how he deals with two on, two out after back-to-back walks in the top of the first inning. You know, that to me, and Kyle McClellan always says this, that to me kind of gives me an idea of where he is. His stuff is crisp, and 
again, you can't tell where a guy is health-wise at this point in the spring when he's only throwing three innings, but, you know, certainly he looks good, and certainly he's going to be a big part of this rotation if the Cardinals need him, uh, you know, to fill in for, like, Miles Michaelis. I think for a while there was a question like, all right, if Miles is in, who will compete for that fifth spot? I think at this point right now, Carlos is probably in the rotation unless something goes wrong from a health standpoint, and they're going to need Carlos to be Carlos. He's been an all-star caliber starter. He's been an all-star caliber closer, and I think everyone agrees that his stuff, when he's healthy, when he can pitch every five days or when he can pitch every day without restriction out of the bullpen, is about as good as anyone in the National League. Let's go from Carlos to Carlson. A hanging curveball. That's it down the right field line. It is going to get down and bounce to the wall. Carlson is on his way to second base, and he'll stop with a leadoff double. Eight consecutive at-bats or plate appearances. Carlson has reached base safely. That is remarkable, and Dylan Carlson's hitting 500. I don't care if you're hitting uh, in great for league play or not. He is off to a great start, Chris Raby. Dylan Carlson, give us your thoughts on what you've seen. Well, and I'll ask you this question, Tom, right now, before I answer okay. your question, because I've asked a number of people. Finish this sentence. Dylan Carlson is the most polished, polished Cardinals position prospect you have seen since Blunt. Albert Pools. But even Pools didn't come in with the pedigree of Carlson, right? Like, I mean, Dylan Carlson was a first-round pick. Dylan Carlson has been a top 100 prospect. Dylan Carlson has his locker in spring training right now between Matt Wieters and Andrew Kisner on the left side of the clubhouse. Even guys like Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libitor on the other side of the clubhouse, far removed from that. And you're right. I mean, this is a guy, and somebody asked me the other day, who is the bigger or the, or the higher ceiling, I guess, Nolan Gorman or Dylan Carlson? I don't know if I can answer that question, but what I can say is that Dylan Carlson right now at age 21, with, you know, two years of professional at-bats under his belt, three years of professional at-bats under his belt, he looks to me like someone who could play every day in Major League Baseball and who looks like an all-star caliber player. And, you know, I don't say that flippantly. I don't mean to get ahead of myself. But the things that he does, the polish that he has, he's one of the best defenders on the team. He has every tool, all five tools. He hits from both sides of the plate. Um, the left side, which he will hit from more at any professional level, is a more polished swing than the right side, just in terms of it looks like the way you would drop a video game player. And I believed coming into camp that Dylan Carlson was going to force the Cardinals' hand one way or another. He would either play himself into the everyday lineup or he would struggle and you know not keep his head above water and then be sent down to AAA. They have given him every opportunity to say that, listen, I can't tread water anymore. I need a buoy. I need a life raft. And he hasn't done that. All he's done for the first week so far is prove that he's been not only the best player on the Cardinals, but probably the best player on the field in every game that I've watched him play. And at this point, you know, Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, they'll have chances. Harrison Bader will have chances. I'm not saying that those guys won't be in the outfield as well, but if Dylan Carlson keeps playing the way that he plays, he will have to be one of the starting outfielders for the Cardinals on opening day in three weeks in Cincinnati, 
and I believe that he will have every opportunity to be one of the best players in the organization this entire season. Mike Claiborne is standing by with John Mosaylock. They're going to have an interview in four minutes, and I'm certain that Claves will ask him about Dylan Carlson and what the president of baseball operations thinks. From week to week, we certainly have been asking him about Dylan. That's coming up here at 1120. Chris, before we go, just lay out the week for us. You and your crew always working hard down in Jupiter, Florida. I know you have a lot of shows and broadcasts ready to go, including Countdown to Opening Day on Wednesday night. Yeah, that'll be Wednesday. Uh, headed to watch the Cardinals and Astros right now. And, uh, man, I wish I could tell you the whole schedule for the week, Tom. But, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it's kind of one day at a time. You know how it is. We will be here all week. You and I will be meeting in Fort Myers uh, the beginning of next week at this time for Cardinals and Twins and Cardinals and Red Sox. And just really excited. We'll start to see some of the pitchers third time through the rotation. Um We'll see Jack Flaherty for a third time to go to Hudson, Adam Wainwright, Carlos Martinez. We'll see KK uh, again. And I'm excited to see how it goes because, again, there's a lot of questions about this team, but I think a lot of excitement as well. And uh, we're just excited to bring it to people on, you know, not only KMOX, but on social media and radio.com. And looking forward to the next week and the next couple of weeks until the opener in Cincinnati. I am very much looking forward to it. I'll be down there, as you mentioned, on Sunday, and then we'll have the game together on Monday afternoon from Fort Myers as the Cardinals take on the dinner. Twins. I'll take care of dinner, man. I, you've been you've been uh, working on it enough. I got your dinner both nights. How about that? Uh, actually, you're leaving there after you the Tuesday game, aren't you? After the Red Sox. I'm doing Sunday, Monday. Are we hitting there top go. Are we hitting top golf again? Let's do it. All right. We'll make sure No, that we... was Tampa. We're in Fort Myers. Oh, yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, we'll we'll find. I promise you, I know that area fairly well. We'll we, find something. We will find. We will find something good in Fort Myers on Sunday night and Monday night, for that matter. Uh, the games will be on the Cardinals affiliate station on Monday and Tuesday. Chris will have the call on Wednesday and Thursday this week on our stream, which can be found on the MLB at Bat app, cardinals.com. Thank you for the info. Absolutely. You can locate that. Chris Raby with us, as always, is coverage from spring training. We'll come back and hear from John Mosella. Chris, thanks very much for the visit. We appreciate it. There is Chris Raby. We'll be back with Mike Claiborne and John Mosellock next. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's a Sunday morning, and we are here in Jupiter, Florida, home of the Cardinal Spring Training situation. And with us is Cardinal President of Baseball Operations, John Mozalak. And first of all, a week now under your belt. You Give me your impressions of spring training as far as your ball club. You know, I think from a pitching standpoint, it's been very positive. It's it's really hard to judge right now from an offensive standpoint, just because it's most players are only getting a couple at bats, and then um, we're, we're rotating that that uh, roster out or the lineup out. And so, I would say my overall takeaway of this has been positive. Um, you know, from a from a standpoint of people are getting in their work, there's a lot of energy around it. Our, our club right now, and I think there's just a lot of positives. Um, you know, clearly, Goldie hasn't played much yet. Hit a home run on on uh, Friday, but you know, Carp still is is day to day. Hopefully, uh, we see him no later than uh, Monday. Um, may even get a peek at him today. We'll see. But um, you know, overall, I feel pretty good about how camp's gone, and you know, I think Mike Shelton's staff have just done a good job keeping everybody moving. 
That's interesting. You talk about him keeping it moving. He and his staff do a lot of teaching, and that's something we sometimes tend to take for granted, especially at the professional level, but they just kind of reinforce the fundamentals, and I think we saw a lot of the results from it last year with the base running and certainly the defense. You know, I guess I would, would explain it to our listeners simply as, you know, paying attention to details and knowing that once the season starts, it's hard to keep all that momentum going. So take advantage of these six weeks and, and make sure you understand what those little things look like. And as an individual, know what you need to be working on throughout the year to maintain that. And I think when you talk about the type of teaching you witness when you're down here, it really is a fundamental camp. And, and from that standpoint, no matter where you are um, on the quad or at the stadium, they're always working on those little things. And I think that's what's really helped separate us. Talk about the pitching for a minute. You've got some really good arms in, in spring training. Maybe the best collection of arms with pro experience I've seen in a long time. How are they still able to get the innings and get the work in, and especially facing good hitters? Because it's one thing to come in and try and make the ball club facing a guy that's got 97 on his back. It's another thing to face a guy who you know is going to be a pretty good player when the season starts. Yeah, I think that was one of the, the, the difficulties when we, we were thinking about or planning this camp was just how can we get the, the type of work needed to prepare. Um, as you saw today, you saw some live BPs going on on the backfield uh, prior to a game, which is a little bit unusual, especially when you, when you are coming off a split squad. And so, you know, overall, we are trying to, to focus on getting the right people the right innings. But it's, it's, it's tricky, and I would imagine over the next, uh, say, week, week and a half, you're going to start to see some separation of who's getting the ball and why. And I think, uh, you know, talking with Mad Dog just uh, this morning, he understands that he's got to get the key innings to the key people at this point. How hard is it you not, for you not to watch Dylan Carlson at this point? He had a great first week. Uh, doing all the little things, and I think I've been more impressed with the little things, be it his base running, how he approaches balls in the outfield, and then again we've got the offense that he's been able to provide. So as a president of baseball operations, you don't want to fall too in love with a person this early, but you can't help but not notice him. No, and I think, uh, you know, you think back to last year's camp, you think back to how what he accomplished last year in his double-A and, and brief stint up at triple-A, and then what you're seeing here, you know, there's reasons why we're excited about him. And, and I think for, for people that are getting a glimpse of him or seeing him for the first time, understand why we really believe in him and, and think he's going to be a key part of our future um, at some point probably this season. So, you know, when you look at, at him, you can tell he has a high baseball IQ. To your point, he understands the intricacies of what happens in a game and why. And you know, that's nice to see. So it's not just that he swings the bat. He's, he's a really good baseball player. And, you know, even today when I was, like, walking around, I was watching him take balls in center field. And, and so he's not trying to pigeonhole himself strictly as a corner guy. And I think that's what makes him impressive. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with that, that first week he's had. And, you know, candidly, for the most part, when you look at our outfielders like O'Neal, Lane Thomas, um, even Bader, you're seeing a lot of positives from that group. And, and I think even though it's early, a week plus one day, it's still nice to see. Week two is just around the corner, or we're about to start week two. What do you look for this week? Well, I think, uh, 
we're really to your point earlier on pitching, you know, pitchers now are going to be going an extra 15 to 20 pitches in their outings. And so that's going to shrink the game a little bit in terms of getting people in there. So that's going to be something strategic. Um, you're going to see hopefully Carp back in that lineup and uh, getting getting his preparation and work in. So I think this week is is critical for us to make sure that we get our, our work in. We have a split on on Thursday and then our first off day. And, and uh, it's sort of odd already thinking about an off day and, and how welcoming that's going to be to our actual group. But, you know, I think the vibe here has been great, and uh, I hope we can just sort of replicate what we saw in, in, in the first week and, and do it again the second. And not get anybody hurt. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Good talking to you. Thank you, Michael. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We're back on Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX College Basketball. It's March 1st. It's time. March Madness is here, and in St. Louis, we call it Arch Madness. The Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball tournament starts in just four days. Thursday night, I will be there, and so will the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, Doug Elgin, is with us on KMOX. How are you, Doug? Great, great, Tom. Always a pleasure to be with you. Well, Commissioner, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And here we go again, 30 years of Arch Madness in St. Louis. What a run this has been. Only the Big East at Madison Square Garden has a longer run in one venue at a conference tournament, and I know you're excited about this edition. Well, we're certainly proud of the tradition and history that we have in our league overall. We're 113 years old, and, and the 30 years in, in St. Louis is, is just incredible. Uh, we've we've entered we've uh, entered into an, an extension with Enterprise Center through 2025 with the championship, and we're we're really excited that our fans are going to experience the completed renovation of Enterprise Center when they come in for this year's tournament. It's going to be a great one. It's March 5th through the 8th at Enterprise Center. The first two games are on Thursday. Let's get right to it. Now, if you're a team, you don't want to play on Thursday because it's very difficult to get out of there. you got to win four games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four in a row to get to the NCAA tournament. But it can be done, especially when you look at some of these teams and the way the league has been, there's a possibility of it. So let's let's analyze these games, if you would, Commissioner Elgin. The first game, you have Drake and Illinois State. That's a 6 o'clock tip in that first game. Now, Drake's a good team. I mean, they're 18-13 and 13 overall. They won eight Valley games. Illinois State really fell below expectations, I thought, this year. But that's a pretty good opener. It really is. You know, Drake Drake has probably the best rim protector in, in the Valley in recent years, uh, Liam Robin, Robbins. And I and I just think that is a team that, that's extremely dangerous. One ominous fact, though, is no team has ever come out of Thursday night to advance even to Sunday, let alone win the championship on Sunday. So Drake, Illinois State, a, a great matchup in the first game. And we have Valparaiso and Evansville hungering for their first win overall in the conference. They're 0-18 entering the, the, the league championship. Valpo, a team that has taken Cincinnati to overtime, has given even the best teams in our league a rough time this year. That's going to be a, a great matchup as well. Uh, the Drake-Illinois State winner gets number one seeded UNI. The Valpo-Evansville winner gets the number two seed Loyola 
in the second round. Those two teams could be really scary to face in the NCAA tournament, Northern Iowa and Loyola, but again, Valpo, Evansville, Drake, Illinois State are going to try to have something to say about that. Friday, when you start the quarterfinals, it's a noon tip-off between Northern Iowa and that winner of Drake and Illinois State. Describe Northern Iowa for us. I think, uh, Commissioner, that with the three-point line moved back a little bit this year, that really played into their hands. They are a good shooting team. They spread the floor really well, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, they they have uh, won their first outright NBC title since 2010 this year as the number one seed. Uh, they enter the Valley Tournament with 25 wins, six losses. Um, I think I think really that is a team that I would I would compare with with teams that have gone on to Sweet 16s in, in the NBC in, in the last decade, let's say. Um, a team with with really good size. They've got two post players that are really really strong. Um, you know, I think that's a team that has depth, probably the most dynamic scorer in, in 6'4 sophomore guard, A.J. Green, who suffered a, a broken nose a couple of games ago, but he's he's ready to go. Um, you know, the, the, the two the two bigs, uh, 6'10 Austin Fife and 7'0 Justin Dahl, uh, really give them an advantage in, in our league, dominant uh, in the paint. And I, th- I think Northern Iowa could could – definitely win this tournament and go on to NCAA tournament play. I also think with a 37 net ranking, Northern Iowa it, with wins over South Carolina, a win at Colorado when Colorado was ranked in the top 15, I think that's a team that will certainly compete for at-large if they if they happen to lose it in Arch Madness. That's interesting. I was going to ask you that very next question. Is there a chance if they get to the final that Northern Iowa can get in there? It's hard to deny a team that has that many wins. I think they will. I really do believe they will. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I think that's a team that's, uh, that they're talking about on the bubble and, and a team that is projected to be in the NCAA tournament. And that's a known brand, too. Northern Iowa, if that helps, in the NCAA tournament, that's a name that people know. When Northern Iowa shows up in the NCAA tournament, you know that's trouble. They can do some damage, and they uh, have some historic wins, no doubt about it, that we've seen through the years. What about that second game, though, on Friday? You have Bradley and Southern Illinois. Now, that's going to be an absolute slugfest. And Bradley is a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year. You know they locked down defensively. And on the other side, that's the best story in your league this year. Southern Illinois was picked last, and now here they are right in contention. Well, that's first-year head coach Brian Mullins, who's brought magic back to Carbondale. He was, a, of course, a fixture on their dominant run in when he played it as an, as an undergraduate as, as a point guard. And I think he's had a tremendous first year out of the box. Bradley, I think, is, is perhaps the most athletic team in our league. Uh, Elijah Childs was hurt. Their, their 6'10 junior forward was hurt. He's back at full strength. They are, they are a dangerous team that I think could also be a team that could win a couple of games in the in-state tournament. So that, that uh, certainly is going to be a team to reckon with. A uh, four-five matchup. That's that's an incredible matchup for that uh, second game on Friday afternoon. Yes, it is. Two thirty tip-off for Bradley and Southern Illinois. Those are two schools that are going to bring some fans too. Wouldn't you anticipate oh, that could be one of your more lively crowds right there? I think so. And certainly, the winner in that game will go on to play in the first semifinal on on Saturday. So we're looking for what should be uh, <clears throat> much stronger attendance this year for our league and certainly the semis in the final on Sunday, uh, those two sessions are usually 
uh, the, the biggest draws we have. Your Friday night session, Loyola, on a 6 o'clock tip, will be awaiting the winner of Valparaiso in Evansville. Loyola, as we know, went to the Final Four a couple of seasons ago under Porter Moser, and they are a known brand also. The number two seed is pretty, uh, pretty dangerous, aren't they? They, they really are. Uh, that's a team that can that can beat anyone. They've got they've got a good balance and depth. Uh, probably the best passing big man in college basketball in Cameron Crutwing. Uh, they're hungry after competing in the NIT last year. They're they're hungry to get back to the to the NCAA tournament. And, and I think they've got the the, the type of experience and, and veteran players to to do just that. Loyola taking on that winner. And then the late game, I don't know why, but I love the late game on Friday. It's always my favorite. It's two teams that you don't see, that you almost forget about. Then they come flying out of the tunnel at that last game at 8.30 on Friday night. They're always good. The three against the six, and you have two good ones here. Indiana State is very capable of winning this tournament. And Missouri State, the sixth seed, Doug, was the preseason number one pick in your league, and they're starting to play pretty well. They are. I think. I think Missouri State is extremely dangerous heading into this tournament. They've got such great athletic talent. Dana Ford is a uh, a veteran head coach. He was at Tennessee State prior to going into uh, at Missouri State. Grew up in the Missouri Valley. Played at Illinois State and coached under Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Indiana State, I think, is a a dark horse to win the title. And they've got they've got tremendous talent in their freshman and sophomore classes. Greg Lansing has done a great job with that team. They're, they're the third seed, which nobody would have figured that at midseason. Uh, 18 and 11, 11 and 7 overall. And that, that should be an intriguing matchup. Uh, the winner of that game, of course, moving on to the semifinals. Semif- uh, yeah, on Saturday. Semifinals are Saturday at 2.30 and 5 on CBS Sports Network, and your final is on CBS Sunday at 1 o'clock. You continue that relationship with CBS, and that is major exposure for your league. Is it Has it benefited you through the years to be the tournament in advance? Hasn't always been this way, but pretty much every time, in advance of the other conference tournaments. Well, I think it creates compaction in a regular season schedule, which is not a positive but I do think playing early focuses attention on our tournament. We're one of only four four tournaments in the country that has their championship game on CBS, which is, of course, the network of the uh, of the NCAA tournament. We're proud of that fact that we started that uh, partnership in 2007, and uh, they're coming in again to televise the championship and the semifinals on the on the CBS Sports Network. So it couldn't be a better setup for us in St. Louis. With all the renovations downtown at Union Station, uh, the arts grounds, our, our fans are going to be delighted to see the lower bowl completion of the renovations at Enterprise Center. Uh, and, and all of it comes together as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Arch Madness. You can go to archmadness.com to learn more. There's also an Arch Madness app that I think you need to get on your phone so that you can follow along. This is a huge tournament in St. Louis. This draws a lot of visitors. This provides Doug Elgin how much revenue for the city every year? Tons. <laughs> you, can, you can pick a number, but it's, it brings a lot of fans into town. Uh, they spend a lot of money in the restaurants all over the, the metropolitan area. Uh, and, it, and it really is, uh, it, we take over downtown. You see a lot of colors walking around, a lot of the, the, the uh, school apparel. It, it really is a great, a great uh, atmosphere for a tournament in the downtown area. It's nine games in four mm-hmm. days. It starts on Thursday, March 5th, and ends Sunday, March 8th. And one other thing I wanted to cover with you, and by the way, go to archmadness.com. There are ticket discounts. 
there are some great deals that Purina Dog Chow Family Fun Pack, right? I mean, you get, uh, I think it's all the popcorn and soda and hot dogs, and you bring your kids, and it's a very uh, nice deal, really good value. It is, and one other thing that's a, a new feature this year, we've got a, some game day, day giveaways for every session. Oh, right. Uh, you have the, the, uh, the bobbleheads? We do. We, we start with, on, we have a, a commemorative poster that's being uh, distributed uh, on Thursday night. On Friday afternoon, Snooks is sponsoring a lunch bag handout to, on a field trip Friday. We're going to have over 1,000 elementary school children in the, in the building. Uh, and and the, the, these are distributed only to a, a certain number of fans. The first, in that case, 3,000 fans that come. Uh, we have a trophy bobblehead, which is a unique-looking thing, that's going to be passed out on Friday night to the first 5,000 fans to come. And those are sponsored by Fox Sports. Uh, on Saturday for the semifinals, we have a confetti globe, which is maybe my favorite of the giveaways. The first 3,000 fans will receive a confetti globe uh, instead of a snow globe, a confetti globe, of course. And that is sponsored by KTRS and Explore St. Louis. Uh, and then the big ticket item, I think you'd have to say, is the championship ring replica that's going to be distributed on Sunday, uh, thanks to State Farm, which is our title sponsor. And that'll go to the first 5,000 fans who show up to that session. That's excellent. And then the last thing I wanted to cover before we go is the fact that in two weeks you're going to do it all over again because you have the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. The Valley is the host conference there. So March Madness, you'll have some huge teams. Do you have any indication as to how ticket sales could go. I think if you if you want tickets for that, I would do it now before these major programs come in and take them all. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, we, we probably have five or 6,000 tickets uh, left uh, for sale, some of them lower bowl, some of them good seats. Uh, and I, I think once the, once the field is announced, those tickets are going to go like hotcakes. Uh, one other notion – in between those two weekends, we do have Hoops in the Heartland, our women's tournament at the Quad Cities in Moline, Illinois. Uh, our women this year have turned the tide. Boy, they have become a powerhouse conference. I think they're ranked sixth nationally in RPI. We could see three or possibly even four teams coming out of the women's side to get into the NCAA tournament. Now, I did some of the Lady Bears games this year. That Missouri State team is good. They went to the mm. Sweet 16 last year, and they could be right back there or maybe more. That's a good Absolutely. team. Absolutely. And I like, from from our standpoint as a radio station, their coach is Coach Mox. I think I think she needs her own show on, on, our, show, on our station. She's dynamic, a tremendous hire by Missouri State. And, uh, you know, Drake and Bradley – uh, also, Loyola uh, are, are going to be a handful at, at the uh, women's tournament in, in Moline. So you're going to be busy. You have your men's tournament this week. You have the women's tournament next week. You have the NCAA tournament first and second rounds the week after that. And then we'll get you some baseball. How does that sound? Oh, you're, you're going to go to the Final Four. And then your beloved Yankees will start playing. And your other favorite team, the Cardinals. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll sound, sounds like a good, good spring. <laughs> We're gonna have some fun. I'll see you Thursday at uh, the Enterprise Center as we get ready for Arch Madness. It's gonna be a blast. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Appreciate There's it. The commissioner, thank you. There's the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, Doug Elgin. Uh, he, this guy's got some experience now. He was on the selection committee for the NCAA tournament. He's done that a number of times. He knows what he's talking about. It's going to be a lot of fun around here. We'll take a break, come back, and get you ready for Cardinal Baseball just minutes away.
Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Some of the names on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. 77 wins, uh, 3.10 ERA. If he had never gone to the Phillies and just called it a day, I think people would look a little different at him right now. That is Cardinals president Bill DeWitt III talking, of course, about Steve Carlton, who is on that list, also on the list. When modern metrics analysts, they look back on Hernandez, they're kind of like, wow, this guy was special, plus a great defender. Keith Hernandez, one of the best in the business, played 10 seasons with the Cardinals, won six straight gold gloves at first base with them also. He was just such a stalwart for his teams, and... Um, you know, he, he made his debut in 79, and then actually on the same day that Lou Brock had his 3,000th hit. So it, it, interesting generational change there. He's talking about Tommy Herr, the great double play combination with Ozzie Smith, led the National League in fielding percentage and assists as a second baseman in 1981, and he had that outstanding offensive season in 1985. What a competitor. You know, he was really the ace of the staff of those late 90s teams, and um, 100 wins as a Cardinal, and that's pretty special. That, to me, is kind of a milestone. DeWitt talking about Matt Morris, one of the great pitchers the Cardinals have had over the years, a representative of that Tony La Russa era, along with Edgar Renteria. They were great teammates there. Lee Smith and John Tudor are on the ballot as well. The Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot at cardinals.com slash HOF. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 